Hello and welcome back to AA Opera Podcast. Welcome to episode 18. Can you believe it? We're two off 20. Yeah. See, we even aced the high five there. We both thought, no, we can't can't do it too loud. No, it's going to hurt their ears. Yeah, but yeah, we're back. But what a mighty special episode this is. So excited. I mean, we were fangirling throughout this entire episode. It was just such an incredible experience to talk to um, the person who you will hear, because she's just so full of wisdom and Absolutely. the best energy. Yeah, that's that's it. It's just, it's this positive aura that she has, which is amazing. I actually had to go out for air after. I, <laughs> I was like, Abby, just, can I just have some time alone outside for a minute? Me too. Um, gather my thoughts. I've never edited a podcast so fast, too. Yeah. Because it was just like... That season, that season. It was so good. How's your week been? My week has been great. I had a wonderful week. My PhD proposal is submitted. So now, huge weight lifted. Round of applause to you. Light light clap, light clap. (laughs) And I had my birthday, which was really great. Yes, yeah, I enjoyed (laughs) drinking tea and it it pauses with you. uh... Yeah, oh, it was just... It was the first time that I'd been in the same country two years in a row, and it really makes a difference on your birthday when you're, like, new to a country Mm. and don't have a large friend circle. But I really felt, like, really, truly, like, thank you to everyone who sent um, their birthday wishes. I really felt so great. Oh, it was lovely. Yeah, Yeah. it was a nice day for you, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. What about you? How was your week? (laughs) Positivity. I am uh, am running low on fuel, but I'm just kind of on the adrenaline road now. It's Friday. You know, it's It's Friday. Friday. I've been doing a lot of teaching. I have been doing some recordings as well because there's some very exciting um, applications coming up. Um, So it was nice to finally spend some time recording and actually it was very good for me to watch that back because we're not really supposed to record classes or anything visually here yeah um so it was actually just a a helpful exercise to see how i look when i perform that's really weird but um i'm glad that i did that do you ever practice in front of a mirror like yes i do i do but i need to get better because even in my singing lessons you know if the if my teacher says look in the mirror and do that i've just got this thing where i really struggle to look at myself (laughs) but that yeah i'm I'm working on it (laughs) i had a teacher who wouldn't be like completely do your singing. i was a meter from the mirror probably really yeah Mm. it was very this Mm. is the same word confronting that's the word that's the word (laughs) I think we need to give them some context here. There have been a couple of episodes where I've tried to say this word that people keep saying and talking about, and I couldn't figure out the word. And two days ago, was it? Yeah. It was on my birthday. We were talking about this, and I was like, it's very, mm, not humbling, but like when something happens and it's in your face and confronting. Confronting. Finally figured out the word. But yes, it is very confronting when you sing in front of yourself. This week, we have the wonderful Lucy Schaefer here she, on the podcast. Yeah. Oh, what a wonder woman. She's just, she's just a powerhouse, but in the most positive way. We met Lucy at a Engender networking event at the Royal Opera House, where she, she spoke, wasn't she? She was on the panel. And she was speaking. on the panel about fundraising and stuff, and it was just, we were in awe then, and then we just weren't even more awe when we actually got to sit and talk. And We oh. really hope that you find this podcast helpful. It's for, it's for anyone, really. 
you know, I think. Yeah. Especially for for young singers or just singers in the industry already. Composers. Composers, musicians. If you're in the arts, this podcast is for you to kind of embrace this school of thought. Here it is. Good morning. Good morning, Lucy. Nice to have you here. Can you give us a little bit of backstory about who you are for... First of all, this isn't a visual podcast, so people don't know who (laughs) you are by listening. (laughs) Who am I? There's a question, right? (laughs) Um, First of all, the last name name is pronounced Schaefer. Ignore the U. Oh, okay. How's that one for you? I didn't know that. See? (laughs) See, this is very important. In fact, I bumped into someone this morning who mispronounced it in introducing me to somebody else, and I thought, wow, people forget. So, Lucy Schaefer. Ignore the U. It's an immigration thing. When my grandparents came over from Poland, through not through Ellis Island, like so many people, but the Poles sometimes went through Hamburg, through the Great Lakes, and landed in Chicago. Oh. Which is why there's such a huge Polish Catholic community in Chicago. Very interesting. There you go. All four of my grandparents came over that way. Oh, wow. Yeah. So only second generation American. Been here in the UK for 25 years. Landed November of 94. How are you liking it? <laughs> Do you want to stay? Well, well there's an interesting <laughs> question. Um, let's stay positive for the morning. Um, no, this is home now. Though home is... This is going to be a conversation about definitions and how words can confine, can free, all those sort of things. I've been here, like I said, for almost 25 years. I married the wonderful Christopher Gillett, tenor, writer, satirist, sourdough extraordinaire, baker. I know, I've seen your Instagram. And oh, I'm yes, very he's very jealous. proud of his crumb shots. <laughs> <laughs> I need to check that out. <laughs> and um, yeah, we uh, settled in Wiltshire, sort of where his family was originally from and been making music and supporting composers for 25 years. Amazing. Not a lot of time. I mean, you should really give yourself more time to like really develop a... I know. Session. I've got to have a better plan, really, <laughs> yeah. don't I? It's interesting being an outsider coming in, as you might yeah. feel as well. And it takes time for people to realize, you know, you're not just the foreigner, the crazy person, you know, the person, the American that's here. Yeah, you get that a lot. I sometimes still have, you know, American mezzo, in, in, yeah. a, in a review mm. and, and I, I, I'm still shocked by it I don't define myself by my Americanism yet that is who I am and I'm proud mm. of it and uh, but I don't like labels you know on I my have the same exact thing because I was born in the States we moved to Israel when I was two so I'm not American at all really and in Israel I'm considered an American and here, because my accent is very heavily American, I'm considered American. Yeah. But I'm really not. And to Israelis, I'm also very American still because my parents are immigrants. Yes. Yeah. So it's kind of like you get this whole thing, well, I'm not this. And I'm not I'm not Israeli because to Israelis, I'm not Israeli. Yeah. So, but I still have to write on my thing, American Israeli mezzo-soprano. I was just going to say, yeah, I read <laughs> your bio that you have to submit to the school and actually get marked on and you're advised to write American Israeli. Yeah. And yet... Because we're in a society that likes to box tick, which makes me insane, but we can discuss that later, that um, there are opportunities if you identify as certain things. Right. Mm. When I wish we would just acknowledge the fact that we're all immigrants of some sort, that we all move and Mm. change, and the world moves and changes, and that's how it's been going on for centuries, millennia. Mm. I mean, my husband and I met in Tel Aviv, for example. There you Not go. quite, but yeah, very yeah. close. <laughs> you know, and because I did a summer program, the Israeli Vocal Arts Institute. Yes. With Joan Jorneman. Which now runs fully in New York. And they yes. have a sister one that runs in Israel. So. Yes. 
So there you go. Nice. They need yeah. one in the UK. <laughs> they do need one in the UK. They also have one in Toronto now. We're all bits and pieces of all the places and the people that we've met. Mm-hmm. I mean, on my website, I do a silly thing and call myself a performer, producer, and purveyor of fine jam. I like that. Yeah. Love it. Because I mean, <laughs> I say... Took my breath I'm away a, for a second. <laughs> opera singer, content creator, and a professional tea drinker. Exactly. <laughs> my, my location on Twitter is wherever there's tea. Yes, that's nice. a very true statement. <laughs> and it's 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 a fact of um, I'm going to reference three things today a lot, which are three videos or interviews that I've just recently read that keep resonating with me. And one of them is an interview with Laurie Anderson from, oh gosh, I think it might have been like 2013. I, I don't quote me on that, but it's out there. And she talks about staying loose as to who you are. So when somebody says, oh, you're an opera singer, I always go, "Mm, it's one of the things that I do. I get that little tick when when I go back home at Christmas and it's like, oh, Ashley sings opera. It's like, but I do so much more than that, you know? And I think that's where we are and where someone as respectable and estimable as as Laurie Anderson says, you know, I call myself a multimedia artist. She goes, that's a crazy title. It means absolutely nothing. Yeah. But it allows me to have a recording career, a performance art career, a visual arts career, and nobody balks. Yeah. When they say, "Oh, she's multimedia." Yeah. It's that they, the audience, needs it more than we do. Mm, right. The funders need it more than we do. Mm. The people who run the corporate business need it more than we do. Yeah. And yet, it's part of the language, as she says in this in this in this wonderful interview. Um, we're 21st century workers and artists. And so we're not blind to the idea that this has to exist. Yeah. But don't define me just by the words that you need to sell me. But it's not only that. It also, it kind of undermines whatever else you do. Mm. It's like, yeah. oh, it's only her, her side project. It's her hobby. Because no. her main thing is she's an opera singer. And therefore she can't talk very much because she's protecting her. Like, oh, it just no. there's like so no. many more... Yeah sides to just saying that someone is just one thing it makes them very one-dimensional and we're not real doll characters we're not like yeah Veruca Salt she's bad that's it she needs to yes she needs to go yeah yeah and but isn't that so exciting that people like us can chase careers like that that have so many branches I wouldn't change it for the world although when I first came to conservatoire and realized that that was going to be the reality it, I was a little scared but actually just settling into it now it and allowing you. Yeah, and feel free. I now. love that verb. Thank you. Allows. Allow, yeah. <laughs> we love that, and it the, in all its connotations uh, and and permutations, in the sense of gives you freedom to explore, to be creative, and yet there's permission, mm. and yet I think your generation, if I may be so bold, is the first one to truly, truly embrace it in the sense of your generation pushes my generation to say diversity is important, equality yeah. is important. Mm-hmm. And we've been pushing it all along. And the boomers started it, you know. Yeah. But yet, yours is the first to truly breathe it because we've tried to instill it. Mm. You know, my elder sister is 70 this year, so she's a true boomer. Um, I came very much later. I'm not part <laughs> of that generation. <laughs> and, but um, so she instilled it in me. And then I tried to instill it in my stepkids. And they didn't need any help. They were already breathing it. And they're just a little bit older than you, not much. 
So there's this sense of you guys know how to allow to be free, and yet you still have to struggle with the system that is still in place. Mm. Yeah, and that's is... where the change becomes more difficult. But opera is grand. Writing is grand. Producing is grand. Poetry, yeah. podcasts, media, I mean, visual arts, all and how all those things fit together, because we're technologically in a new place, is exciting, freeing, scary. Mm -hmm. And because the options are so many, choosing is yeah. what you need to do and just choose and focus and move on yeah and it's as a as a young person we still kind of get like oh you're not focusing enough on your one thing but at the same time we can't only focus on that one thing because the way the world works today is that you can't have only a one set career people who have developed careers in writing mm -hmm. also have social media presence and um they talk on radio and they and they do all sorts of other things that help promote what they do and I feel like for opera singers we're told to kind of step back and maybe not do as much of the creative side I might be wrong I just because I'm a very like creative person and I do a lot that's not just singing I feel like sometimes I'm told mm, I guess she's not serious in that I have experienced that yeah I have experienced that and and even recently, I pitched something to a major organization who responded with, well, you're just a singer. Why, why am I hearing this pitch from you? Why isn't it coming from someone official? You know, <laughs> That's the most... Now, that, that was a while ago. Mm -hmm. And it was the response came from a generation that was in a different place. Mm. But we're moving away from that. And, but I think we sometimes just have to be tenacious. Yeah. You know, you, in one of your questions that you asked me to prep, you know, what's, you know, <laughs> tenacity. Yeah. yeah. The, well, we're essentially discussing discussing the challenges of, of being yeah. an opera singer and essentially we've gone off and said the label is the hardest thing about it being defined by just a label it is not where we want to be today and it goes even more so than that when you say you're a mezzo-soprano or you oh. say you're a soprano do you, know, do, you know I, you? Do, you, do you notice how I just say I'm a singer yes I like that it's just someone performer yeah and because when you say you're something, they're like, oh, you should be singing this. So do you sing Carmen? I'm like, no, that's not. You know what? Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Put them in the bin. <laughs> Put, coulda, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Go away. Because what is a should for one person may not be a could or a would for somebody else. Yeah. And yes, perhaps maybe you could sing X, Y, or Z that's in the standard repertoire. And sometimes they're great to sing as a lesson in vocalization, in, in stretching yourself, but it doesn't mean that that might be your aspiration. Right. Mm. For example, I'll be very personal about this. I have no problems discussing it. Um, in 2007, I sang my first Octavian. That's, New, that's on my list, yes. Amazing. <laughs> right? Yeah. New production, Hamburg Staatsoper. My mom died in May. I started rehearsals end of September. Okay. Okay? Mm -hmm. Could not find a low breath to save my life. No, it's on the same place. It's on the same register. Yeah. And, and to add to that, with the stress of everything, and there could be a myriad of reasons why these things happened, I vocal hemorrhaged in, in August. So wow. I only had six or eight weeks to finish learning Act 3, really in my bones, yeah. and show up for rehearsal, being five foot three with a marshal that was six one. In a German house, you know, it just it just goes yeah, on and on. Yeah, yeah. And we have to give ourselves time to say, is this what makes me happy? That's the key. Is, is that... this what makes me happy? And what makes and I go back to one of my catchphrases, what makes your bones vibrate? Mm. What is the essence of you? And a label cannot encapsulate that in one word. 
And yet we are so desperate to find that one word for your social media presence. For, I say, put all that aside, figure out what works for you yeah, and move forward. And kind of also whatever feeds you in one way will vamp up whatever you do in another way. Exactly. It, you can't sit in a practice room and then just mm. end up being a good performer. You're not getting the experiences that feed into your performance. Yeah. The other words that I would say that make our career difficult, we've isolated the word label. The other one is loneliness. Yes. Mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> and it's about building community. Yeah. Of, of course, you know, in our social media bubbles, we tend to have like-minded people. But I'm talking about finding that true team of people who understand you as we're vocalists here, who understand your voice, mm -hmm. who understand your artistry, mm -hmm. and people who will pin you down when that phase happens, that a little success happens, and your head goes straight up your arse. Yeah. You need someone to say, daylight's over there. Let's get back with your feet on the ground. Yeah. Sometimes it's family, sometimes it's friends. Yeah. Mine was my husband. Yeah. You know, he said, you know, I can't buy into that because he had early success, wonderful career, still is singing. And he said, I'm just the guy that puts zit cream on your back. You still need that. <laughs> and you do yeah. because that's what's real. And when you don't have real, you will never be able to uh, attain your highest artistic standard on the stage yes. because then it's just fluff. Mm. And people see through fluff and you're not mirroring their human experience when you're mm. so involved with yourself mm. that you forget to tell the story. I, uh, I think it's just so important to surround yourself with the right people, as you say, be it family, friends. But I want to take a little diversion here Please? and want to know what you think. We, um, well, I have been told um, when I was growing up, sort of late teens, that, okay, you want to be an opera singer. Don't pursue any sort of relationship. Don't expect to marry. Don't expect to Now, full disclaimer, Ashley yeah. has been in the same relationship since 16. Yeah, we've had a long relationship, and but I was told, you know, break that off because it's not going to last. I want to know what your thoughts are, and I know other people have had the same sort of comment. What are your thoughts on that? And it's quite raw, so I just, yeah. It's really difficult because we do have to be incredibly dedicated. Mm. You know, if you're going to have strictly the, the in-the-box opera singing career, mm. you know, which doesn't really exist anymore, which we can get to later, but it takes discipline and it takes strong discipline. Mm. That does not mean you cannot be a full, wonderful human being. And it's like, for me, it's like trying to have a priest give you marital counseling. How can you possibly experience the things that you're, you're having to emote on stage if you don't have a relationship, mm. if you've never been screwed over, <laughs> if all those things. And I think that's an outmoded thinking for people who either need you to follow in the same footsteps to validate their choices mm. or someone who's a Svengali and wants to control your life. I think there's space for everyone to create the life that you want. There are always going to be choices. There are always going to be alternatives. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, I see people having families. Yeah. You know, we're not the old single, no kids sort of thing anymore. Yeah. People want that back. Mm -hmm. There was only during that sort of truly, oh, God forgive me, corporate phase of opera that stopped us from, we went into machine work. Mm. Chuck it out, do the recordings, do this, do this, run here, get on the SST, do the, and, <laughs> and, and, <Yeah. laughs> and 
it's not necessary. Mm. And because we're women, we get the brunt of that because of the children thing. Yeah. Many people of your generation and a little up are having families. Why do you think Swapra exists? Yeah. You know, there are many things that are there to say don't, but we have choices. Mm. And there's no right or wrong choice. It's the consequences with which you must deal that you have to say, this is the life I'm creating. It's the choice that you make for your, you and yourself alone. That's correct. Because no one else can walk in your shoes. Mm. There's that whole thing. I'm going to make a Hollywood reference now. But uh, like in Please Hollywood. Do. <laughs> love that. My other <laughs> dream. Um, in Hollywood, people have kids. But there was that generation of like Catherine Hepburn who was like, I'm not having kids. It's going to ruin my career. And then... And she also didn't end up having a relationship either. Yeah. Still one of my favorite actresses. <laughs> Me too. But she just... Betty Davis. Betty Davis. <laughs> yeah. But then again... Did you just see that... No, sorry. Um, Betty White just has a documentary now on Netflix, which is fantastic, talking about her whole life. I saw that. Yeah, it came I up need on to, my I need recommended. To watch this. It's hilarious. Oh, I love that woman. It's amazing. My, my boyfriend is a huge fan of Betty White, and it was just... Oh, mm. we had such a great time. But... Women like that just had to pick a career because that was the time that they were given. Mm. But Hollywood actresses now, it's like, oh, she's pregnant. She's taking time off. She's mm. like, And they still come back and they still have an extremely demanding career. And they're away from their families for three months at a time. Exactly. So why is that okay? And is it not okay in the classical arts world? That, that, that I just don't see why that doesn't resonate. We're taking a long time to catch up. Mm. Yeah, that's very true. We're taking a long time to catch up. I think it's getting better. I do think it's getting better because those that had that older mindset are retiring yeah or are flexible of mind enough to say hey you're right it's okay mm. but it's easier when they can control a schedule when they don't have to worry about childcare, or they don't have to worry about the well-being of a whole artist yeah mm. but it's also mental health you kind of need to take a break sometimes yeah and not have a seven day 14 hour work day mm. Tell me when that happens, will you? <laughs> you know. yeah. So far, I'm living on that yeah. world, too. So. But, but yes, I think it has to be your own choice. Yeah. I mean, I was part, probably one of the last generations that that fell prey to that a bit. Because mm -hmm. we, wanted, we wanted the approval of the business. Yeah. And they said, you know, I can, I'm not going to name names, but they yeah. said, no kids, get out there, work, you know. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and I'm fine with that because yeah. I always thought that, oh, there's time. Yeah. And I think you have to, in some ways, everyone always says to me, there was never the perfect time yeah. because there is no perfect yeah. time. There is no such thing. I mean, I have a colleague who was a young artist at the Washington National Opera that I knew then. Now she's flying and doing wonderful work. And she knew that she had a lower voice. Mm -hmm. And she thought, oh, my best years are probably going to be 40s and on. So now that I'm in my 30s, I'm going to get the kids out now. I get have a friend who did that too. She's a large soprano. She had a kid at 25. She's like, he'll be six by the time I start to work. And now's a good time to have one. Yeah. You know, and you take that punt. Yeah. And, and it may not work out. It may. And for this colleague, flying. It's absolutely right. Mm. You know, and like for your friend, perhaps so as well. I mean, yeah. we have other colleagues that have kids and they work it out mm. because they also value family. It's about what your values are, it. what you want, and no one else can tell mm. you what that is. Exactly, and it comes back to what you said, happiness, mm. okay? And happiness is different for everyone. It's that's what right. makes you happy, um, and that's what's most important. Yeah. So. I mean, in the this sort of circle of, of opera and music making in London, 
people cannot even imagine mm. Mr. G and I not being married. Mm. I mean, as far as everyone's concerned, I mean, that's just, it's just, just Chris and Lucy. Yeah. I mean, it just, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, God forbid, you know, knock, 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 that, you know, we were ever to <laughs> split, which we won't. Yeah. Um, I've had people say, well, that's, that, that would never happen. No, you, you, it's <laughs> no. like, you can't do that. Yeah. Because sometimes you just, you have to hold on to what's important. I feel exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. And don't let anybody else tell you what that is. I want to ask a little bit of a different kind of question. Please. Because you've had an extraordinary career that most of us would love to have. Yeah. And you've done more creative work and pushed the boundaries for singers that people just can't. Have I? Well, to us, yes, yeah. because you've had the ability... Well, when we heard you speak, first of all, at um, the Engender event, we were just like, this woman carries herself, she is confident, she mm -hmm. knows what she's talking about, she, you feel like you can come up and approach yeah. her. Yeah. You, you, it, it might not be that you feel that you have accomplished everything, but to us youngsters, you're just like... Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's the kind of career we want because it's someone who does what they believe in. That's very heartening to hear. Thank you. Yeah, and we were just lo locking eyes in, yeah. that, in that meeting and like just communicating all of those <laughs> things to each other when you were speaking and that's why we wanted to have you on so much. And there's, is there a question the in there? The question <laughs> was... It's just, we're just fangirling. Like, it's fine. <laughs> the, the question was, how did you... Given the world that we are now in, do you have any tips for us to kind of, to kind of hone into that creativity and um, like, what are the tools that you had that just let you do what you want without question? <laughs> without question. Oh, if you only knew how many times I'd sit there going, "It's over. I can't stand it. Nobody wants to hire me." <laughs> See, but this is good for us to know. Too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and remember the Aaron Sorkin quote, which I may have quoted in Engender: "The first one through the wall always gets hurt." Yeah. 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 And the wall gets put up every time somebody goes through in a different sort of way. It just gets thinner until one time it's going to be rice paper and somebody goes, oh, you mean I just put, oh, I'm through. Yeah. Remember that. Hmm. It's like the enlightenment spiral. It just yes. Get, it just gets lighter as you go up. You have to shed the crap along the way. Now, to answer your question, if I can, because I'm not sure I can, but I will try. One must remember that at the age of 16, the very first show and job I ever did was four shows a day, seven days a week in an amusement park, playing an aging ex-movie star called Laura L'Amour, being doing a Hollywood review. Silver tap shoes, the whole thing. <laughs> they first of all, they can't see, but our jaws are like <laughs> dropping. First of all, that just goes to show that no matter how you start, doesn't mean that the end goal is that you cannot be a classical singer that you might have wanted to be. That's just... Love that. Just love yes. it. Yes. All right. Thank you. Yes. Thank you already. Thank you already. So, two shows with the Hollywood Review. I'm getting my tap shoes back on. <laughs> Damn straight, girlfriend. And the other two shows, um, I was second string on the second show because it was the country western children's show of Goldie Linlocks and the Three Bears Go to Nashville. So... <laughs> Oh. <laughs> so I did the voiceovers for Floozy Bear for the minute you walked in the joint. Right? <laughs> right? So I did Floozy Bear voiceover, and occasionally I would step in to do Goldie Linlocks. Um, and everyone else was in bear costumes, and it was just a click track, and there's someone in the booth just doing the conversations. Goldie Linlocks was the only one that was live. So I'd be doing, on the road again, just can't wait again, and, and with, with, <laughs> with singing to my own self doing, you know, Floozy Bear. Discipline. Yeah. Four shows a day, seven days a week. Yeah. Wow. And, and just one little tip here, boys and girls. 
Never wash your show tights with colleagues because you'll get a yeast infection. Oh! <laughs> yes! Takes me back to the army days. Don't yes, do that. Exactly. Don't oh. do that. So that's where I started. Wow. But I ended up going to Northwestern um, on a vocal scholarship and didn't know that I wasn't supposed to go over to the theater department or that I couldn't have a minor because I was green. You know, and my parents were done parenting. I came, yeah. I'm a post-Vatican II baby. So they went back to the church after 10 years of not being there. I'm born because the rhythm method doesn't work. <laughs> and, um, and so I really wasn't well prepared for higher education. I mean, I, I was in all the AP classes in high school, top 10, blah, 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 blah. But I got there and went, oh, I'm going to go over to the theater department. I'm going to do stuff. And they're like, no, you're from the music school. And see, and this is before the music theater degree was established there. And so, but I was there at the same time as David Schwimmer and all these other types, you know, because I went to university at 17. So, uh, my mom did that too. She was the youngest kid by far. And it's just really funny to see like well, graduated at 21 from a four year degree. Exactly that. And so I went go, not knowing that there were boundaries, that, but then I went over and did the summer stock. I did Sweeney Todd, you know, in the summertime. And the Dolphin Show at Northwestern is, you know, student-produced, student-led, student-everything. And I did Guys and Dolls with them. The same winter I did Guys and Dolls, I did Rosina and the Barber Seville in the spring. And that same pattern has been throughout my life. When I did my big London debut, I was singing Claire de Lune in On the Town at E&O. And on my off nights, I was singing Thea in Tippett's Not Garden on tour with Music Theater Wales. How, how when did you sleep? <laughs> when you're doing what you love... Adrenaline propels you and you just get on with it. Did you ever get like burnt out by the end or something like that? Or were you just like riding the wave? My husband will tell you that there'll be there'll be times when I finally crash and I'm down for the count. Yeah. But while it's going, just keep going and keep enjoying it. And the, when you ask me how all that works, when you make the connections for the people who are in the music theater business, you keep them you know them you nurture it i mean there are casting directors that i've known over all these years that of course i send them marmalade at christmas time and i call them up and say hey it's been far too long since we've had lunch how are you yes and it's not because i'm licking their backside it's because we've created some stuff together i enjoy their company mm -hmm. and i know that i can say to them okay i'm getting older I need to leave that role behind or hopes of that. And they'll go, darling, in this in this market, you've got to realize that you're going to be these roles. Yeah. I'll say, thank you for that advice. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, when you do a job, getting the job is great. It's getting rehired. Is the hard part. Is, yeah. Not the hard part, the important part. Yeah. That's a better so, word. <laughs> so therefore, don't be a jerk. No, I'm, I stand by that completely. Because I find also when you're in in an environment such as we are right now in the academy, it really matters the connections that you make with your student colleagues. Like it doesn't, mm. if you're a jerk or a other words to them, yes. then they will remember that and you never know when you're gonna run into them again. Yes, yeah. and you may make mistakes and you may be an absolute pickle of a human being during a phase of your life. It doesn't mean that that has to define you forever. Yeah. And you have to pull up your bootstraps and say somebody remembers you as the pickle. You go in, and ask for the coffee or you if you happen to bump into them and say, you know, I'm sorry we knew each other when I was such a, a pickle yeah. because I'd like to correct that. Can I buy your coffee? Mm. 
Because the, 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 the strength to say I'm sorry. Yeah. That's right. And Absolutely. being human. Can we go back to that yeah. once again? Yeah. Being human. Don't let the label of pickle define you. You know, there are some people who think I'm a ball buster. Well, I, frankly, I don't know what that's about because I love men. <laughs> you know, and I don't like that. I wouldn't bust any balls. But that doesn't mean that I'm not honest and trying to be full of integrity. And I do speak my mind. I try and be di diplomatic. I fail miserably sometimes. <laughs> but nonetheless, you know... I ain't got time to die. You know? Yeah. And we so, only have one life to live. Mm. Thank you, Kurt Vile. <laughs> See, you pop a reference, baby. I'll be right with you. <laughs> so the question is, how did I do it? I just kept going. And when the classical music world said, I'm not sure she's for us, then I found somewhere else. And my love of new music has always been there. Yes. So, I mean, I started doing world premieres when I was at Northwestern. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, so you, you were really like, from the get-go, you are like, modern mu new music is is a place that I can thrive. Mm. When I was at Northwestern, there was a fantastic man named Don Owens mm. who did the new music ensemble and did the jazz ensemble. So I sang in both as well as choir and did the opera and did the music theaters, you know, yeah. and then was doing a double degree in music ed and voice. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So my bachelor's degree I, is music education. Mm. Very interesting. Which has put me in good stead because I still teach. Yeah. You know? And... And, knowing, and understanding that. So Don basically said these skills are transferable. Jazz free-minded. No, I can't scat for, for anybody. I mean, it's absolutely caca because I'm such a perfectionist. I can't let my mind go. That's the, I'm, I'm a detail person. Mm. And I think someone who scats has to have the freedom of the big picture. It's not my skill set. I'll let everybody else do it. But he in, encouraged me. So I would be part of the new music ensemble and part of, you know, somebody's a student's writing something where you do it. And that continued through my master's degree. At my master's recital, I did world premieres of new song cycles because I commissioned them for my for my master's recital. That's smart. Yeah. That's very smart. Business savvy. <laughs> well, was it common to do a master's in music back back when you were, were doing it? Because I know that it's now something that most people do. You finish your bachelor's, you have to do a master's. Yeah. I did it because we have to remember I went to school at 17. Oh, right. So vocally, I really wasn't ready yes. to hit the young artist programs to go out there and audition. Mm. I just, because I had done so much and hadn't focused on one thing, Yeah. the classical world was like, well, where is she going with that? And... Her theater skills are so much more, so much stronger, but her voice doesn't match the theater skills. So yeah. you sometimes it's like it's like a puppy needing to grow into their paws. Yeah, yes. and I just needed a little extra time. So yeah, and so it's kind of like the same thing where not, it's not a cookie cutter system. I'm so glad you used that phrase because the image I had on the train coming in today is if you are cookie dough or any dough, you know how flexible it is. You can make pie. Yeah, you can make tarts. You can make cookies. You can do anything. You do not put the form on the counter and shove your dough into the form. Exactly. Yeah. So stop trying to make yourself fit into the cookie cutter. Mm, no. You make your own cutter and make your own slices. Or you make your Very own nice. pie. Exactly. You make your own dessert. Pie is great. Pie is great. Mm. So, yeah. what, so my aunt, long-winded answer, as you'll find, I always go around the houses, is um, <laughs> when I was presented with an obstacle or an opportunity I tackled both with eager energy, mm -hmm. which goes back to the word tenacity. Yes. Because those who have God-given voices, somehow it's a little easier because it just comes out. Mm -hmm. For those of us who are sort of in the 80 percentile, we just have to be tenacious and we have to work harder 
and develop our skills, whatever those may be. You know, I have some vocal skill, you know, that I was given, but it's not going to go anywhere unless I use it, you know, and being raised in a Catholic household, you know, what God gave you, if you don't use it, he'll take it away, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's one of those things where you just, if an obstacle or an opportunity is presented, attack them with equal vigor. Very good. 100%. Yeah, when you said you you came out of your masters and you you had some time, you weren't you had to fill. Well, actually, I went into my masters because I didn't have time. Okay. I wasn't ready yet. Yeah. Yeah, and you were doing all sorts. You were doing premieres. You were doing a bit of musical theatre, a bit of jazz, and everything. When it actually came to um, standing in front of some opera casting directors, were they positive about this? the array of all sorts of different genres that you had explored was that a positive experience for you no no they didn't get me and it was only because so you remember it goes back to the team there was one person who knew me from my master's degree and saw something mm. believed in me and i went into an audition and the program wasn't going to take me she says trust me you want to take her give her a chance and that wonderful woman's name is Mignon Dunn okay she's still working she is indeed I have all her husband's Strauss scores he was a conductor so when he died (laughs) I have them um round the houses went to somebody else first and came to me but and without Mignon believing in me I never would have gotten to Israeli Vocal Arts Institute never would have gotten to Tel Aviv for two summers. I never would have gotten my first contract by Hannah Munitz at News News Radio. I know Opera. Hannah Munitz very well. I worked at she yeah. was my boss basically. She was well she's <laughs> retired now, isn't she? She yeah, I was there for her last season. Yeah. I was still not sure. Hannah wouldn't have given me my first contracts, and without getting those first contracts, I never would have met my husband at the opera. So from one person saying, Give her a chance. Yeah. So no, they didn't. And there's still a few people that go, hmm. And the, but they but things have changed, you see? Things have changed. Okay. In the sense that those sort of skills and experiences are now considered valuable True. because we no longer completely, it's not completely gone, but we it's not encompassing the us and them. Okay. The, those are those things. I mean, because look at all the, I'm doing yeah. my first Mrs. Lovett this summer at an opera mm. festival. Amazing. Oh. Right? Yeah. So there's that sense of, no, we, we've, when music and theater are good and you have the right skills to do them, God bless. And, and companies are realizing that Sondheim is exquisite. When music theater comes together, and I include opera in mm. that, I include yeah. all of all the musical theater experiences, as long as you are honest with yourself as an artist to know what you can bring or cannot bring to something, mm. then you choose how you want to move forward. I love doing music theater. I did the, the European premiere of Light in the Piazza as Margaret here in the UK. Um, but... I know I will never audition for Mamma Mia. That would be a bloody no, joke. Yeah. You know, they look at me and saying, what are you doing? Yeah. This is not your thing. <laughs> Hit the bricks. And but so I have to know that if I wanted, I mean, I could belt and do all that sort of stuff, but it would stop me from doing 80% of the other stuff that I want to do. Yeah. Because yes. muscles, especially at my age, I'll be, how old am I going to be? I'm going to be 54 next month. That um, muscles, you know, the flexibility changes yeah menopause is an absolute bugger Mm. and i encourage anyone going through the change to seek hormonal help 
Mm. You know, I couldn't do it without my bioidentical hormones. You know, my voice would shrivel up into a raisin and, and mm. I'd sound like, you know, a wizened old rag. You know, and yeah. we don't And we have yeah. the we have the science for it now. So yes. use it. And you we don't need to have chemicals. You could do yeah. it you do it other ways. You know, I talked to someone yesterday who did homeopathy. So my point is know yourself as an artist, know what you can bring to the table, know what your options are yeah. and grab them with you know equal vigor. And find teammates. Find teammates. Find teammates who think in a similar way to you who are open minded, I think is very important. I'm going to go back to another Aaron Sorkin moment here. Which remember that wonderful episode of West Wing when... Um, I think you're too young for West Wing. And not American. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's your homework. Okay, West Wing. <laughs> when, when the president mm. says to someone who is aspiring to be the president, the first thing you do is you have to hire your chief of staff and you find your best friend who's always going to be smarter than you. I'm paraphrasing wildly. Okay. But the, the fact is... You always choose your best friend who's smarter than you mm. because they'll challenge you okay. and ask you why. Yeah. And that's something you continually need is why are you doing that? Mm. And that's why Chris and I run Wild Plum Arts together. Speaking of, Speaking Wild of, Plum. Don't you love that little segue? I love love that. the segue. Love that. So Wild Plum Arts is your company, your, yes. well, it's, it's not even a nonprofit. It's an actual company. It's a CIC, as you say. Exactly. To commission new composers to create new music at the Red House. Those are like three different things that we do. Sorry. Let me okay. unpack that for you. Yes. Thank you. I will unpack it because we're only two this month. Oh. We're only two years this old. This is the crazy thing about it. I go on, went on your website and I was like, this is a new thing but mm. you've done so much and have so many different areas it's great well you know i am yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's crazy it's crazy it well is. done you like. well it's it was, it was really interesting because i've i had a company before called turn the page i like that name too and that's this all sort of started when my dad died in 2000 2010 and as my grief project i did a debut cd i produced it sold it co-produced with ABC Classics out of Sydney, Australia. Oh, wow. wow. And uh, yeah, it's called Carpentersville because that's the name of my hometown. Mm. And again, I was going to go with a couple of other ideas about the cover and everything. And my best friend, my husband said, what about this picture? And I'm like, yeah, that's me and my dad. Was, Isn't that what this is about? I'm like, oh. yeah, it is. <laughs> and 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 then the, the tagline always became, where's home now that when your parents are dead? What is home? And again, that goes back to what I was saying before, which is you must continually assess who you are and what you want. And that happens all the time. Changes every five minutes or it stays the same for a year or a couple of years. And so after dad died, I produced this and and turned the page was going and, and I thought, okay, what's next? And what's next was more new music and, and turn the page sort of went by the wayside. And, and Chris and I, he said, well, if you're going to do this, if not, now when and that's also another thing that keeps coming up now mm-hmm. not now when yeah and what why put it off what's stopping you you know what's stopping you from doing something sometimes it's something absolutely legitimate that says no you have this needs to wait till such and such a time and that's fine but you have to be honest enough to know that or to assess that and to have your team to talk about it mm-hmm. if it, your team is one person or three so chris and i said okay let's do this now we didn't become a charity not because we didn't want to but because they didn't 
give us charitable status. Yes. And that's because I wanted to do these residencies. For those of you who may or may not know, there's wonderful models in America of McDowell residencies and Yaddo. Yeah. And we didn't have the equivalent of that here, which is truly an altruistic residency program where you give a think space to an artist to have time to finish a project, to do R&D, without having a mentor scheme or a required open studio performance. That didn't exist here. And we put out to the world, this was something we thought about doing. And therefore, we just put it out there and we let it sit. In the meanwhile, in the meantime, <laughs> um, another Sondheim quote, um, we started commissioning and did our first concert performances. And it stemmed from a conversation I had this is not meant to be a klaxon or a mic drop, but I was having lunch with Mark Adamo and John Corleano. <laughs> and um, and <laughs> sorry, kids, because um, I had done the Ghost of Versailles of John's at LA Opera. We won the Grammy, and then I did the world premiere. Another, another just slight <laughs> mic drop. <Yeah. laughs> No, I really amazing. don't want to sound like a com I'm a no, complete, but, no, oh, no, darling, no. and then I. You no, know? no, 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 I mean, but it's just like, it, it's literally how life happens. You do something, you get recognition for it, and that's your recognition. In in our world is Grammys, is Tonys, yeah. is... But the fact Olivier remains, Rolls. to me, the most important thing that happened that, that led to that Grammy which is still in a box hidden in my in my office somewhere. I don't have it on. you can't really look no, at it. No, because I just, you know, there's still a part of me because like everyone, I think I don't deserve it. Right? Imposter syndrome is a huge yeah. issue. That's another thing for another podcast. Another podcast. But the fact is, um, what was most important about that job to me was that I showed up for the audition. And then I showed up for the audition for Conlin as well. And friggin' nailed it because I worked my ass off. And so once again, it goes, there's that obstacle or that challenge mm -hmm. and you grab it with both hands. And and so that's how that happened. But this conversation with Mark and John was John was turning 80 and so many people, so many composers were turning 80 um, in 2018. And Yuleni was turning the centenary for Bernstein. Yeah. And we, we joked, oh, Lenny can't have all the focus. Uh -huh. <laughs> so if, turn the, uh, wild, if Wild Plum was going to be about legacy and what we leave behind of new commissions and new work, then I started with a heritage project of the class of 1938. And I did Corleano and Harbison and Bolcom and Warrenin and Joan Tower and, and just I went through them all as Juski as well. Um, hmm. and, and John wrote me a new song to launch Wild Plum and the brilliant singer songwriter, uh, Michelle Browerman did three arrangements of folk songs because you couldn't leave out the 1960 folk revivalist of yeah. Peter Yarrow from Peter, Paul and yeah. Mary, Gordon Lightfoot, the resident Canadian on the list, and the only one who was not still living, which was Hetty West. So Michelle did three arrangements, one of Black Day in July by Lightfoot, Sweet Survivor of Peter Yarrow, and 500 Miles of Hetty West. So, and a living arranger, Michael uh, Michelle Browerman, who you will know from her song, My Favorite Year, that Michael Feinstein recorded and Cleo Lane recorded. Um, so just lucky enough to know this brilliant woman. And I knew her through Amanda McBroom because Amanda I met during grad school. See, make connections, keep friendships, yeah. write letters, not because thank you cards. There's nothing better than a thank you card and sent in the mail. That's right. And it's not done because we're being sycophantic in any way. It's because we're saying thank you. Yeah. And we have to remember to say thank you to people. Yeah. It's so important. 
And because that is a cycle of gratitude that just, yeah, it helps. Anyway, so Mark and John, John's going, I'm turning 80. Ooh, 1938, he writes me a song, we do it. And I just happened to have done a premiere at Wigmore for Sandy Gurr with Ensemble Modern. So I said to, to John Gohuli, hey, can I have a meeting? Yeah, come on in. And God bless John. He co-commissioned with me, and we premiered at at Wigmore Hall. And then we, you know, so again, if I hadn't done that Wigmore concert and picked up the ball and said, hey, John. Yeah. Mm. So it's about tenacity and not saying, oh, well, I can't get a meeting at Wigmore. Ask. If he says no, he says no. What's the worst can, that can happen? Yeah. Exactly. You know, so that's that's how we started. And then All About the Women was our second season, was a PRS workshop weekend for six women composers working on song. We commissioned one of them, Lisa Robertson, wonderful composer out of Glasgow. We premiered that at the Cheltenham Festival because we were part of Composium. And I'm very proud to say that Wild Plum Arts, our new commissions for Cheltenham last year were 15% of their whole program. Wow. That's incredible. That is a really good statistic. Yeah. And because data is the whole thing, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so, but you know, so we commissioned also Zoe Martlew and Emma Ruth Richards um, for last summer for Composium. So that's the commissioning we've done so far. I wanted to do 20 new, 25 new commissions before I died. Well, I'm up to 13 in songs. For the wild you can, you can push it up to forty if you want. Yeah. I'm just gonna keep going and see how it how it how yeah. it rides out. So meantime, you know, this is all going on and I'm you know, trying to still sing and Chris is still singing and our stepdaughter is planning to get married and all of this stuff is going on and I wanted new bathrooms, but that's the budget for the wedding. Anyways, <laughs> because real life continues, yes. right? And um we get an email saying, Hey, I saw what you're trying to do regarding residencies. Could you come in and have a meeting for with us? Because I think we might be able to work together. And that email come came from the most wonderful woman, Sarah Bardwell, who's CEO of the Britain Pierce Foundation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a great foundation. Yeah. That really is doing also wondrous things. Fantastic. So Chris and I went in and had a meeting with Sarah and Lucy Walker, who's also there at the foundation, and they said we have houses that Britain. Um, Yes, Yes. you see where this is going? Yes, yeah. And she said, would we be of any use? Can our ethos match your ethos? We hashed that out and we figured out that, yes, it could, because Britain's legacy to helping other composers was very important, that charitable arm of their foundation. So they provide the infrastructure. We do everything else, all the administration, all the applications, <laughs> and they were they were fantastic. And and the response we put out, you know, quickly, you know, the applications last year, we wanted to take as many people as we could because we wanted the reach to be out there. And the whole point is, it is made at the Red House. It's Wild Plum Arts made at the Red House, and suddenly we have this community of people who are trying to attain the best they can. It's you know, the we teamwork thing again. The teamwork <laughs> again, and to be there and because we don't do mentorships we don't do the open studio thing so they come on monday we have i call it monday bubbles and we go to the red house patio and we greet them we say this is what we're about we're about supporting you we're here for you we will cook for you we value you and hopefully in return you will then feel appreciated and i don't want this to sound booga booga but there is something in the fact if i value you yeah the work you then have you feel important you say no imposter syndrome again I feel important Mm. and therefore the work I'm doing is important and I can attain my optimal because there are people here that keep reminding me 
that I am valued. Yeah. And, and, in, and in this world, it's, it's very hard. Yes, it, it's, it's, easy it's to, noisy. It's, yeah, it's, it's noisy. Like that. Yeah. So we had um, 20 artists with us last summer, and we hopefully will have the same again this year. You know, the application process is starting in February, which is now. So therefore, we welcome everyone. And it's not just about following in Britain's fo footsteps. We definitely are open to all sorts. Like last summer, we had... Um, Alex and Katie, who are writing the main stage National Youth Music Theater piece, Henrietta. Amazing. That's so, oh. Right? So, and then we also had a fantastic wackadoodle named Stephen, who wrote this piece about Lady Chatterley's lover, you know. <laughs> and then, and Craig, who wrote this soundtrack for a BFI animation. So we wow. are asking everyone. Just to dump your creativity. Dump your creativity. Because you have access to the archive. Yeah, you can look it. at his work, yeah. and we we come together in the evenings because we discuss the idea of loneliness. Right. What we want is to encourage the creativity of solitude, mm -hmm. so we can facilitate your dreams. But yet, in the evenings, you have the cushion of supper together. Yeah, no. and we never ask you how was your day, how's it going, <laughs> none of that BS. We say, what can we do for you? How can we help? And therefore. There's no pressure. And sometimes people will wander into the kitchen as we're cooking and st sort of stand there. I'll say, you need a cookie. <laughs> yes. And they open it. And then they walk away again. There's also you that know? thing when you said, don't ask them how their day was, because it could be that they sat in that room and did absolutely nothing for 12 hours. And hated themselves and for And hated it. themselves. So asking, <laughs> how was your day? It's like, you know what? To be honest, shit. That's right. <laughs> and, and so we say, when it gets hard, go down that path that Britain used to walk every time he was taking his break during the day. Go across the golf course, go across the reeds to Beautiful. the sea, and breathe it in. Yeah. Time to think. And that goes back to the other podcaster interview I was reading, actually this morning on the train. Max Richter says, music sometimes is just time to think, to sit. Yeah. And another man who can't be pigeonholed. But it really sparks kind of creativity. But isn't yeah. that wonderful that somebody else's work sparks inspires you, you inspires yeah. you to yeah. either just say, ooh, you know, and if you're going to steal something, steal the best. Yeah. You know, you know. Steal the best. <laughs> and and it's, it's one of those things where you know, oh, that's a great idea. Or I appreciate that. It's not my aesthetic, but I get where that was coming from. How does that apply to my work? Yes. You know, and so that's what our evenings are about. We provide all the food. We and, and good sourdough bread, because yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Chris made forty three loaves last August, <gasps> right? If you ever need professional eaters, <laughs> we're there. <laughs> so you know, so this happened, and God bless Sarah and, and and Lucy at the Red House, and and it's not, it's different because Snape Maltings has their residencies, and there yeah. sometimes can be a confusion, but we are resident at the Red House. And by the time this spring and the summer happens, the merger will be complete. Yeah. Where it'll be one big happy family again. Yeah. And and that's great because everyone's goals are the same. We're not part of their organization, but they have happily welcomed us in and we are so grateful. Mm. Because hopefully, you know, we will keep touching people and helping people. And sometimes composers would come in and there were librettists there last summer as well. And they'd say, Ooh, I know you have a, a bugbear about pre records. You know, because a lot of modern music now oh, use pre-records. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And singers don't get paid for them. The musicians' union allows them to be paid for it, but we have not been paid for it. Yeah, that's awful. Uh, we, so, uh, so, 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 so these are, these are, are things. are not credited, and it's just... 
Yeah. And instrumental is not credited. You know, so it's, we are now in a new place where technology is taking us to new places that need new contractual ideas. Mm. You know, and, and that's fine. And maybe there isn't the budget because we're all struggling, but we have to at least be acknowledged. Yeah. You know. What's writing a name down? You know, what, what's going to happen if they're... Or, you know, a session fee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, more so. Pay me for my time, I'm valued, which is goes back to what we've been saying. Find people who value you. Yeah. yeah. You know, be free in your vocabulary so you don't get stuck. Mm. Allow, back to your verb that you used, <laughs> yeah. and it's one of my favorites. You know, and, and be honest with yourself and hold the integrity within yourself to know who you are, what you can do, and where you can vibrate most optimally in the world. Yeah. And that's not ever easy. Yeah. I mean, crap, I'm still defining it, you know, I'm figuring it out. And 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 when somebody hires me for Mozart, I go, oh, thank God, I'll get some real money because <laughs> new music doesn't pay the bills, you know? Yeah. And yeah, no, 100%. You know, if I, I, I always make the joke, it's, and it's not a joke, you know, if I sang Schubert, I'd have no worries. I could pay my bills. Why can't what I love also pay the bills? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll get there one day. You know? I think we will. I think it's progressing. We're getting there. Yeah, we We're are. getting there. Because yeah. the tides change and, and you realize that there's value in different things and somebody just has to shine a light on it. Yeah. And that's all it is. It mm. really is just... So Wild Plum exists in commissioning, performing, second performances, third performances, yeah. because it's about structuring a way of composers getting money and being paid for their work, getting words out of not just the same old voices because we all fall prey to that and getting more performances of of unknown people commissioning performing as i said and then we have the residencies i don't know how long wild plum will it be in existence hopefully forever well who knows who knows or the idea of it yeah you know it might be just that one thing where i say you know chris always says when people ask what do we get out of wild plum and my husband's quite the wordsmith. He always says, well, you know, so many times it's about I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. He says, can somebody just allow me the pleasure of scratching your back? Without asking for anything yeah. in return. Why do you have to get anything out of it if you're just, like, it's the enjoyment, it's the pleasure of mm. seeing other people create, it's the giving them a platform in order to create. I think yeah. that's invaluable. But even even going to the point, I felt so warm when you said that you cook them dinner, offer them cookies. <laughs> it's like it makes I, me feel. We cook so... them breakfast, lunch, yeah, yeah. and dinner. Yeah, it's just so warming, and that's well, how it should be. It's nurturing on every level. Yeah, and we get great pleasure in the cooking and the teamwork that we have as a couple, as an organization. But there's great value for us. I mean, I get weepy every Monday when I go out into the garden because Penny, the gardener at the Red House, is an extraordinary woman. And she, we said, we have a wish list. Can you plant these things for us? Yeah. So I had... All the fresh herbs. I had herbs. I had beans. I had soft fruit. I mean, the, the and Britain and Pierce had, you know, planted an orchard. So there was a storm one weekend in August, and there were tons of windfalls. So what did I do? I made orchard butter. So everyone had fresh orchard butter to put on their homemade grizzly in the morning with their yogurt. Oh, so there's that wow. sense of using the land, using what's there, the heritage of what you know, Ben and Peter left behind to nurture what's going on today in all of its facets, be it through food, the legacy of their support of the buildings they have there. In my dream is because Mary Potter's studio is still there. Maybe one summer residency, we have a visual artist come and paint. And so then we have a new Made at the Red House artist, Metier. 
Yeah. And because her studio's there, so why the hell not use it? Yes. I mean, and Sarah and I have discussed it, and we'll see, and we'll see how this all grows, but isn't that amazing if we yeah, can take is... what he started... And just build on that. Build on it. And, you know, hopefully we would have his blessing. Sarah says that he wouldn't, and Colin Matthews is around, and he, you know, and I see him regularly, and he would tell me if I wasn't doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, so, yeah. And, <laughs> and I value that. Mm. I value that greatly. And that's what I... If I have a purpose in the world, because we all want to feel like this isn't just pissing in the wind, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's what I want my purpose to be. And hopefully I still have value on the stage, still performing it, and I still want to do it. And I have enough ego to say that I do, mm -hmm. which leads me to the third thing <laughs> that I've seen recently. And you must find it is the wonderful interview with Anthony Hopkins about his role in The Two Popes, where he says, yeah. I know nothing. Oh, and it's, he it. says, mm -hmm. the older I get, I know nothing. And, he's, and the interviewer says, yes, but, you know, your experience, you know, to, to, he goes, yes, but I honor the words that somebody else wrote. Yeah. So it's so applicable to us as yeah. musical artists as well. Yeah. And there was a, a wonderful tenor, Bob Tier. I don't know if you guys know him and you should look him up because he was a generation that needs to be remembered and honored. Bob was so like that. Chris studied with Bob and Chris said, oh, my God, this could be Bob saying this interview because there's a wonderful book called The Wisdom of Insecurity by Alan Watts very mm -hmm. 60s, very booga booga. But there is, there's wisdom in knowing that I know nothing and that my constant state as a human being will be insecurity. Mm, and there's yeah. wisdom in knowing that that's just how it is. Nothing is ever perfect. And you're always going to want more security, more money, more... Like, there's always the more things that you would want, but it's really good to be content with what you have now and with what you got to now. Yes. Amen. It's okay to strive. It's okay to want, desire, to fix, to try. To, that doesn't mean we'll always attain it. And I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, there's there's wisdom in that. And I think we have to remember that it's not only, only the Dead Diva Diet on YouTube. Go out to art exhibitions. Go to theater. Go to performances. Because if you want an audience, get your arse in a seat and support somebody else. Yes, 100%. And be inspired by what happens visual artists. Go be inspired by the things at the National, at the Don Mar, at, you know, at, at you know, the Royal Court, you know, to see new works. And, and all the theaters, pub theaters, whatever, you know, the, yeah. the Southwark Playhouse. I mean, there are tons of things out there. You know, this is our, our month of... We went to the Salisbury Playhouse the other night because... Um, Alex Parker, who was one of our, ready, wait for it. He was at the residency last year. He's one of our alumni. Oh, <laughs> oh, I love it, love it. <laughs> and, you know, and we were supporting him because he was conducting a, uh, a tour of Mame. So we yeah. went to, and, and it seemed right after, you know, during Herman dying at you know at mm. Christmas time, and yeah. and so, and and we're going to see Nine to Five on Monday. You know, that's a great one. Because yeah. because oh. uh, Caroline Sheen, who's in Nine to Five, yeah, was um, in Light in the Piazza with me at. <gasps> Right. She played my daughter, so or I played her mom, and um, oh, so, so you see, see exactly. Yeah. So it's about, and it's about those connections. And it's it's like it's the it's the team thing. It's if you want to be supported, you have to outpour support. Yeah, you and you will expect, get something back. Yeah, you like yes, there is something beautiful about scratching someone's back without get asking for for anything back. Yeah. But if you want to have your back scratched, you have to scratch someone else's. Yeah, back. it's that circle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and we've we've poo pooed the word networking. Yeah, because it it somehow I like team better than networking. Yeah, yeah, and it's become a nasty word, and only because we want to free ourselves of that connotation. Yeah. So teamwork and, and connections. It's As I said in 
that engender meeting. It's about connections. It has always been about connections. Yeah. It will always be about connections. How you interact is your responsibility. Yes. I'm so inspired. <laughs> I'm ready Thank to you. take on the world Yeah, now. I'm ready. Anyway, <laughs> well, Thank you so, so much for coming. Well, I love the fact that I can interact with the next generation as well, because you help me. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> we'll hear for whatever you need. Yeah, we'll have Lucy on a weekly. <laughs> <laughs> this week on <laughs> Listening to the Old Bag. In- <laughs> AA Opera presents Lucy. <laughs> thank you guys so much. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Really. Still fangirling? Yep. <laughs> and it's a week on and I'm so still fangirling this is also the first turnaround that we've had that it's just been in a week but like I just I couldn't not that was an amazing podcast um, we definitely found it helpful Yeah. and we hope you guys did too I've already stopped introducing myself as mezzo-soprano in some places yeah I need to get on my website and well I need to redo the website but I need to stop labelling myself I yeah. think um, oh yes I, I, cloud one million yeah, we're like struggling with things to say because we're just a bit speechless. The thing with Lucy was that we didn't even quite know what direct thing we were going to talk about with her. We just said, can we just talk? And yeah. so much came out of that um, that we can take on board as musicians. Yeah, usually we're very clear about the questions and we segue really nicely in and out of questions. But this time we were just like, keep talking, keep talking. You know, though, it just shows that there's so much conversation to be had yeah. generally around life as an opera singer um, and we hope that this podcast is bringing those answers to you guys very excited yeah i love it when this... we don't tell each other beforehand because you're on the edge of your seat also this is it. the first week that we were both like oh i have a fun fact and like, <laughs> we were ready so it turns out that bach wrote a mini opera Technically, it's a cantata, right? <laughs> okay. But a mini opera about coffee addiction. Oh, I did know this. Oh, you did? Sorry. But I didn't know because of the name, but I didn't. They did it here last year, no? Did they? I think so. But yeah, I about coffee. On that one. About coffee yeah, addiction. Yeah, I did not know this. I read oh, it and I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> it fits perfectly with this podcast. It's perfectly to the kind of week that I've had and I've been just living on coffee. That's and, awesome. This week's question was, if you could do any job in the world, what would it be? I mean, my mind went wild. I started thinking about the jobs I wanted when I was a kid. What do you want to be when you were a kid? Oh, all sorts of stuff. I wanted to be a vet at one point just because I was obsessed with animals growing up. <laughs> but then I realized I see that science is not for me. <laughs> Blew my mind. <laughs> And to be honest, I'd, once I got my head together, I realised quite early on that music was what yeah. I, I wanted to go and do. <laughs> once my, my imagination calmed down a little bit. Yeah. Huh. You? Um, I've always, always wanted to be um, an actor of some kind. Mm. I started dancing ballet when I was four, mm. but I was already like obsessed with ballet and everything like that. And I thought I could, as an actor, portray as many of the jobs that I wanted to do. <laughs> so, like, my grandfathers are both were both lawyers. So I was like, oh, could be, could be Elle Woods. <laughs> yeah. Therefore, yeah. like, I'll be a lawyer. 
on TV. Or like that <laughs> Best was Best of Both Worlds. Yeah. I was like but really anything. Then I wanted to be a costume designer for a while. Oh, nice. Still love costume design. Yeah. Obsessed yeah. with costume design. So intriguing. It's like yeah. it's the amount of thought that goes into a costume yeah. is oh incredible. Incredible. It says so much about the psychology of the character at the oh in my next life. Yeah. So on to your answers now. Our first response was from opera underscore mom on Instagram. And she said, traveling around the globe, performing and also researching the positive neurological effects music has on the brain and disabilities such as autism, dementia and mental health. What a woman. <laughs> that is a, what a woman. Wow. So she wants to perform, but she's really interested in researching like music therapy. Essentially. That's really interesting. I love mu- the idea of music therapy. That is fascinating a- stuff. Fa- really Thank fascinating. you for that. Thank you very much. Um, then official Tallulah Bell said she would love to be a music scorer. What when- did she mean by like, that? Like doing movie scores and stuff? Yeah, I guess so. Or just actually scoring music like a publisher. Oh, interesting. Maybe. I don't cool. Know. Either or anything in that realm is very interesting. And then quite a lot of people got in touch and said, you know, being an opera singer is their dream job. We don't blame them for that. Still my dream job. Um, Fun Fat and Fab. Don't know if you've heard of that Instagram page, but she said she's already doing a dream job. Being an influencer. Influencer, Influence in the world of fitness. I really have to meet Sophie so badly. (laughs) Um, Sophie has had so many shout outs on this podcast. I feel like I know. you know her very well. Exactly. I'm going to meet her and we'll be like, we're best friends. Yeah. Um, it will all, if you're not sure who she is, it will all make sense. Go follow <laughs> at Fun Fat and Fab. And lastly, Helen Christie Sheldrake said that she would love to be a record producer. So all very musical related, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is, it, it was, enough, post, yeah. yeah. I feel like our social medias are still very contained yeah to... yeah everyone loves the arts and things so yeah. yeah thank you very much for sending in all of your um responses that's all folks thank you so much for listening to aa opera pod episode 18 i think you know that's been another wicked episode i'm not being big-headed that was great. Smashed it. Smashed it. <laughs> Don't forget to follow Wild Plum Arts. Their applications are now open. Go yes, follow them so. on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and definitely support if you can on their website. Follow Lucy as well. Follow she, Lucy as well. She does. She posts some great baking, baking things. Instagrams. She um, should be on like Celebrity Bake Off. She, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, or just Bake Off. I don't know. No, I think she'd qualify for Celebrity, celebrity Bake Off. In all right, she would. In all right. Cool. Yeah. And don't forget to follow us at AA Opera Pod on Instagram, Facebook. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Yes. And rate us. Anyway, have a great week. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.